when someone says, what do you do for a living, nobody really understands uh, the concept that we've developed, uh, the lifestyle that we live. Many people sell insurance, um, but very few people have the lifestyle that we have. Plan to fail so you won't. Production will solve all your problems. Some will, some won't. Stop whining, so what? Just hit your weekly production goal. The weekend starts now. All right. Uh, welcome to the One and Done podcast. Uh, first thing, happy birthday. Thank you. Uh, yeah, it's kind of exciting that we're doing this on your birthday, and uh, it just happened to work out that way. But uh, I first want to tell the listeners that this is our first podcast ever, and so please excuse our inexperience, and it might be a little rough ride, but I'm excited to try this out and, and see what goes on. Um, today, I'm interviewing my dad. Uh, he goes by many names. I call, call him Pa a lot, but... Uh, how would you describe our relationship? Well, it's it definitely unique. Um, obviously, as a father, father and a son, um, many people have that relationship. But ironically, we also have a business relationship. We work together. Uh, you run a CrossFit gym. You you and Jill run a CrossFit gym. So you're also my coach. Um, I've been your coach. We've been. Um, in the paintball field, we've been combatants before, um, so we've actually been each other's uh, enemy. So we've, we've had quite a few different um, aspects of life, but uh, probably more than uh, my son and my business partner and my coach, I, I would uh, probably classify you as one of my best friends. Uh, next to um, your mother and my wife, Sue, um, I probably talk with you about more personal things and the goals and things in life. So I would say I'd label you, you as one of my best friends. We spend more time together um, than I do with anybody else other than your mom and and uh, your sister. So, um, yeah, I guess I would label you as a very, very good friend. Yeah, and that that's exactly kind of what I was looking for because as we go through this process and and things, I, I hope to d- dig a little deeper than most interviews that you might hear or um, other other people might be able to do. And so a lot of the questions, I mean, I know the answers to. I've heard these stories, you know, growing up and things like that. So um, just wanted people to know that um, there's probably a reason I'm asking each question and, and the answers are, I know the answer that I might hear, but it, um, it might be a little different too. So let's see what happens. But uh, when, um, when you're at a cocktail party and somebody says, hey, what do you do anyway? How do you answer that? Um, depend, depends on where I want the conversation to go, I guess. Uh, if I enjoy the person and I want to proceed, I tell them that I own my own business. I have a uh, final expense uh, insurance agency, and, and we do training, and we market uh, life insurance to low-income families to take care of their final expenses. Um, I talk about uh, the seminars we do. I talk about the relationship I have with my family, the time that we have to share together. We work an average of one to two days a week uh, in the field, and then we have the rest of our week to do whatever we want. Um, but if I, um, if I don't want to visit with this person much, I just tell them I sell insurance, and it pretty much shuts the conversation down. 
So it depends where I want it to go, but um, it's hard to define. Um, when someone says, what do you do for a living, nobody really understands uh, the concept that we've developed, uh, the lifestyle that we live. Many people sell insurance, um, but very few people have the lifestyle that we have. And so without getting into a very long, lengthy conversation, um, I don't talk a whole lot about it. I can remember when I was first in the business, you were just an infant, and uh, your mom and I and you would be in a shopping cart in, at Walmart. We'd bump into someone, and they would say, oh, did you take a day off today? And I would try to explain to them, uh, no, I'm actually done for the week. I said, I, work, uh, I worked on Monday and Tuesday, and, and uh, that's, that's it. And they're like, they look at me like, what planet are you from? And Finally, my wife said, just tell them you took a day off. It's just a whole lot easier than trying to explain this kind of a lifestyle. So, uh, again, the answer is a long-winded answer to your question, but it just depends on where I want the conversation to go is how I answer that. So how did you get into final expense? Tell us the whole story um, as to when I was born. Uh, you started this in 1988. I was born in 1987. And so, you know, I probably wasn't even a year old when you started uh, selling insurance. And um, what drove you to give up the, the steady pay and go self-employed? Well, uh, I'd always dreamed uh, or dreamt of a lifestyle um, that was very unique. Um, just through my thinking, I guess, uh, I obviously wanted to be a professional baseball player. That was, that was my goal and dream. And I saw that uh, basically because of the income factor of creating a lifestyle uh, that I could be uh, the person that the, the, the provider for my family. Uh, I guess the best way to put it is I wanted to be the guy that made all my all my wife's dreams come true. If we were lucky enough to have children to help their dreams come true, and so there was something that drove me years and years ago, um, looking for a way to create that lifestyle. Uh, so, again, I didn't make it as a professional baseball player, not even close. Uh, tried some multi-level marketing companies. We were in Amway for a while. Um, thought that might be the answer. It, it wasn't. Uh, worked that very hard for about five years. Uh, had a really, really good job. Was in the uh, lumber business. I was the, admi uh, the administrative assistant to the president of uh, three lumber companies. Was on the board of directors. Really enjoyed my job. Uh, was working six days a week, five to six days a week. Um, my wife was teaching school. She had a preschool. Uh, together, we were making about $40,000 a year. This was back, as Tucker said, when he was born in 1987. Uh, but my wife always had a dream to be a stay-at-home mom. And so I started looking for ways to replace her income. Uh, and that's, you know, I, I was thinking I could pick up another job or whatever. And ironically, uh, an acquaintance of ours that came in the lumberyard a lot, he had a lot of rental properties and uh, he would come in here quite often and buy doors and sheetrock to repair his rentals. And I was also in charge of our rental properties. We had, uh, where I worked at Heartland Lumber, we had about 20 rental properties. And I was in charge of making sure those were rented and keeping them up to date and things like that. And uh, they uh, came by when Tucker was born in July of 87 and, and dropped a gift off at the hospital. Tucker was born cesarean. And so we were in the hospital for a week, and they dropped a gift off. And uh, several months later... Um, my wife said, hey, uh, Jeff and Marla had a, a baby boy. We need to drop a gift off. And so we called them up and stopped by their house. It happened to be a Tuesday evening, and uh, we were visiting about work and things like that. And I just made a mention. I said, don't you really get tired of putting all this money into your rental properties? And he goes, well, yeah. Uh, he said, if it wasn't for my job, um, 
I couldn't keep my rentals going because he said, I put about $1,500 a month out of my own pocket into my rentals just to keep the bills paid, to keep the banker happy and things like that. And, you know, I kind of let it go at that and didn't think much of it. And as we were driving home that evening, my wife said, hey, if you did what Jeff did, I wouldn't have to work. And I said, what do you mean? She goes, well, didn't you hear? He said he spends $1,500 a month um, on his rentals, and Marla doesn't work. And so I make about $1,500 a month, so whatever he's doing would replace my income. And I said, well, let me call and see what he does. I knew he was in insurance, but that's about all I knew. So I called him when I got home. This was way before cell phones, so I had to wait till I got home, picked up the phone. I called him and asked him what he did. And uh, he informed me that they market a uh, final expense life insurance policy to low-income families, and um, I said, well, is that something I could do? And he goes, is it something you want to do? And I said, I have no idea. I grew up in the funeral business. My dad was a funeral director. Um, my parents divorced in 1972 and sold the funeral home where I'd probably be a funeral director today. So I'm familiar with the business. But I said, I don't know. I never really wanted to sell insurance. That was not my my dream or goal. Well, and even at that time, um, I mean, I know today there's a lot of um, misconceptions and and – scare factor to, oh, you're an insurance salesman type of thing, and and nobody wants to be associated with that. Was was there any of that back then? Very much so. Um, the last thing I ever wanted to be was an insurance salesman. I, I used to make fun of insurance salesmen um, because it seemed to me like the people that couldn't make it in anything else sold insurance. I had, you know, teachers and coaches that left that job uh, which, again, as you said, Tucker, was a steady paycheck to them uh, being a teacher or, uh, and a coach. Uh, and they went into the insurance business. And I, I never thought, okay, if you can't make it anything else, I guess, by default, go sell insurance. And so that was my, you know, and I've, I even had insurance people in my home that I didn't really like. Um, I, you know, bought from them because they wouldn't leave my house unless I did. And I just, you had that little thing in the back of your mind said, I don't want to be that guy. I don't, I don't want to be the guy that, like you mentioned earlier, you know, when you're at a cocktail party or you're at someone's home and, and people, you walk in and people, oh, God, there's the insurance guy, you know, run and hide. That was just my conception. And my dad had a good friend from church that had a state farm agency, and, and he was that guy. He was always pumping people about buying more insurance, and I need to come see you and things like that. And I just, I just never wanted to be that guy. And so um, Jeff just offered me to take a day off from my job and then go ride with him. Um, and so I did. It, it was some time before we could get our schedules worked out, and I jumped in the car at 7 o'clock on a Monday morning, and um, we rode up into Nebraska and, and called on people. We had, he had, had a lead program that these people had mailed a card back, and they were actually requesting this information, and they definitely had a need for it, and it was a very rewarding experience. And uh, so I got back. You know, My wife said, well, what do you think? And I said, I think it's something we can do. Uh, this was in November of 1987. Um, we were very, very poor. We didn't have any money, so I couldn't go to classes to get my license. I had to self-study. It took me about a month to six weeks to get that process accomplished and, and got my license in, I think it was in February uh, or March, maybe March of 1988, got my contracts lined up and, and actually started working in May of uh, 1988. Went out and, and worked my first week in the business and, and did pretty well, I guess. Uh, according to their standards, I did okay. But um, what was that like real quick? Um, I mean, I remember my first week in the field and I, I was scared because is something very new and 
the whole world riding on your shoulders and you I mean when you work at a at a job at a 9 to 5 job you are kind of a a cog in the machine and if if your cog is kind of broken well there's a whole nother machine to kind of catch your slack but when it's you by yourself in a house with a client um you don't have anyone to rely on and when i started I had a cell phone in my pocket that could connect me to you. And so if I'm in the house panicking, I can whip my cell phone out and say, let me call my manager and I'll get this figured out for you. Um, But in 1988, that didn't exist. And so uh, tell me real quick about that first week uh, of the business and how nerve-wracking it is, can be. How much um, preparation did you do before that first week? I didn't do any preparation. They had no training. Um, I didn't even get leads. Um, they put me on what they called a DSP system. It's a direct sales policy. I was working for a company called Old American, and they had clients that had bought policies through the mail, maybe a cancer policy, a hospital indemnity policy, an accidental death policy. So they were familiar with the company name, but they didn't actually request me to come see them um, about a final expense policy. So I was coming in pretty much cold. Uh, so my boss took me out. Um, it wasn't Jeff. Uh, Jeff was just a good friend of mine. It was actually his father-in-law. Uh, Gary Eller took me out, and I rode with him. And, and he sold, I think, one one program or two all day long. And we it was grueling, and we knocked on all our doors. By 4 o'clock, he said, well, I'm, I'm tired. Let's go get a motel room, and, and I'll buy you a steak, and, you know, we'll call it a day. And so we got done eating. It was a little after 5 o'clock, and we got to the motel. And I said, Gary, I said, I don't like motel rooms a whole lot. I'm not a TV watcher, so would you mind, could I have your car? I just want to go knock on some doors. Let me just see what happens. And I went out that evening and sold, I think, four four programs, four policies that evening. And I'll never forget, the first one, I was with a husband and a wife, and when we finally realized this is what they wanted, uh, we were actually we sat down on the couch, we were at the kitchen table, and, and, and I said, well, let's, let's figure this thing out. And, and so... Um, the wife said, well, let's just sit on the couch. And I had the husband on one side of me, the wife on the other side, and the application in my lap. And I said, what do you think we should put here? And we together we filled out the application, and we weren't sure if we did it right or wrong. And so I got back to the motel that night, and, and of course, Gary was already in bed. So the next morning we ate breakfast together, and I said, well, we need to go make a few stops because I said I sold some policies last night, but I'm not sure I did them right, and you need to help me fill out the applications. We went back, and, and I wrote $1,300 just that evening all by myself, which isn't huge by today's standards, but you know it was pretty awesome to do that. But as far as preparation, no. Uh, Training, no. Um, Basically, we went out the next week again. My boss took me out the next week. He rode with me till about 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock in the morning and and watched me do one of my presentations and and said, well, you're better than I am already, so you're you're good to go. And that was it. I was done. (laughs) That was was all the training I ever had. And so it was, was, uh, you know, kill or be killed, uh, eat or be eaten. But um, it was grueling, and it was miserable. Uh, I really uh, – those first couple of weeks weren't so scary because I hadn't quit my job at the lumber business yet. I talked with my boss and told him I was going to do this, and he was willing to let me try it out. So I would take two days o- away from the lumber business and go sell and come back and work four days at the lumber yard. I did that for a couple of weeks, and I just finally told myself, okay, I'm going to go ahead and I'm doing this full time. So, you know, and he said, Jim, if you ever want your job back, he said, you'll always have a job here. So I kind of had a safety valve. And by about July, I was done. Uh, I went to Jeff's house. I called him up, and I said, I need to talk to you. And I said, I can't do this anymore. I said, I just can't handle the stress. 
I, I just can't do this. There's, you know, and he said, tell you what, he says, why don't you come work with me? I'll help you out. Um, you know, I'll, I'll give you a few of my old leads and things like that. And he said, would you give it six more months, give it till the end of the year. And if, if you still hate it that bad and you're not making it, I'll go with you to help you get your job back at the lumber, the lumber yard. And I said, done. I said, I'll, I'll give it six more months. And, uh, I, I thank God every day for Jeff Copper, uh, because, uh, it was grueling, but he helped me through it. Um, and obviously the success has been there, but it's been a, it's been a road we've had to pave ourselves. There was no system involved. Um, I worked three, three days a week, uh, three and a half, sometimes four days a week for a while. And then I got it down to where I could work three days a week and just continue to hone my skills and get better at it. And, um, and, and finally got to the point where I could do it a couple of days a week. I set that goal in 1992, uh, to work a hundred days a year or less. And I've never missed that goal. Um, so, again, it goes back to, you know, you said, you know, why did I ever do this? It, it's all about lifestyle. You know, I was looking for a way to give your mom the ability to stay home and, and, and be a, a full-time mom to you. I never dreamt that I would also be able to be a full-time dad. And, and it was ironic that um, as we looked at this business and looked at the opportunity, um, my wife said, Jim, go out and make enough money to pay our bills. Come home and be a dad. Um, we only have these children for five years. We have them from the time they're born until they start kindergarten. And after that, they're done. Go out. You can work all you want after that. And she said, even if that's not the point, once they go to college, we only have 18 to 20 years with these kids, and you still have a huge part of your lifetime to go out and make your fortunes. And, and so I, I, I went by that. It wasn't something that I wanted to do. But I, I took her lead on that, and I've never regretted it. We've spent so many hours with our children. We've never missed any of their events. Uh, anything that's been important to our children became important to us, you know, whether it was when they were in kindergarten or when they were, you know, a senior in high school or even in college. So we've always been there for our kids. So uh, the lifestyle that we've developed from this program, from this system that we've built, has been unbelievable. And a nice side note is we've made a great living too. We've made a lot of money doing this. And so we've had, you know, people say you can't have it all. I will beg to differ. Um, I think you can have it all. And we've proven that you can through this business, through hard work, uh, being very organized and working hard when you're out working and, and play hard when you're playing, you can, you can enjoy a wonderful lifestyle and create a great, uh, lifestyle for your family. To go back a little bit. Um, what do you think it was that, that Jeff saw in you, to push you to do the extra six months because I mean, we've seen, we've recruited a few agents in the past and you know, we've had those phone calls where I'm, they're going, I, I can't do this. And some of them we see and we're going, yep, you probably need to find something else. Um, but then there's the other ones that we go, nope, give it six more months. So what do you think he saw in you? Actually, I don't think he saw anything in me. Uh, and that's why I kind of smile when you ask that Tucker, uh, because, if Jeff saw my success, um, well, I, he didn't because in, in the business of insurance, it's a business of a hierarchy. Uh, you have the manager um, who actually owns the agency, and that was his father-in-law, Gary. Uh, and then you have agents in, in your that you can put them, you can stair-step them down as far as you want to go. And I think if Jeff had seen any inkling at all that I was going to be successful in his business, he would have definitely had me put under him in the hierarchy because he would have been getting money overrides off of everything that I sold. And Jeff never did make any money off of me. It all went to his father-in-law. Uh, so I think just out of the kindness of his heart, um, he wanted me to, to at least try a little bit harder and try a little bit you know, different systems and things like that. Um, so 
you know, whenever I run into Jeff, we, we kind of laugh about this from time to time that, you know, that he didn't really see that in me, but I think that's just the type of person he is. He likes to help people succeed and, um, you know, I guess that's where it came from. So I don't know that he saw anything and, but he definitely helped me get, get over the humps anyway. So, um, another little detail, you start, you sold your first policy in May of 1988. Mm -hmm. How long did it take until, um, mom could, um, come home full time and not have to run her daycare anymore? How long did that all transpire? It was kind of a, a, a weaning process. Um, she had a, a daycare for the first several years, and then she transferred that to a preschool. And so actually she was doing the preschool, and she would have classes um, from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m., um, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and, and in a different class from uh, 1 o'clock until 3 o'clock, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And then she'd had a younger group of children coming in on Tuesdays and Thursdays, you know, classes in the morning and also classes in the afternoon. So um, we started tapering that back just to make sure we could pay our bills because, again, we didn't have a backup. We didn't have any money in savings. And, and so we had to, the only we had a house payment to make, um, so we had to make sure we could do it. But our, house, our car was paid for. We didn't have any credit cards, so we had no debt other than just the house. And so I had to make sure that we had uh, adequate funds just to do that. And we had uh, to make sure that we could survive. And so we kind of dwindled it down. But the actual closing date came, um, I, I, I know it was the year Maddie was born. Uh, our daughter was born in, in uh, April of 1990. And I know she did not work after that. So I think it might have been that December or January of 1989, 1990. I'll have to ask her for sure. I, I need to get that correct. But I know she has never um, worked when Maddie was since Maddie was born, and that was 1990. She's never worked outside the home. Let me rephrase that. Say, yeah. As a stay-at-home mom, she's worked way harder than any of us have. But uh, that was her dream. That was her goal. And, and she still lives that dream today. I mean, you know, um, last night, yesterday afternoon, Tucker and Jill dropped our grandchildren off, their two children, at about 1130 yesterday morning. And, and we, when I left the house this morning, they were still there. So they spent the night with us and woke me up this morning and said, happy birthday, Grandpa. And, and uh, Mom just loves children. And, and, um, and, and I, I, it's just so unique to have this lifestyle. I, I can't even imagine not – I can still remember Tucker pitter-pattering down the hall you know, and waking me up on Wednesday mornings and say, Dad, what are we going to do today? And I said, what do you want to do? And one morning I got up. I still have it somewhere in my, in my uh, treasure box. But there's a little drawing that Tucker took a sticky note from my office. My office has always been in my home. He took a little uh, three-by-three sticky note, and he drew a four-wheeler and a fishing pole on it. And he stuck it on the back of my door with a question mark. So we, I knew we were going to ride four-wheelers that day. We were going fishing, but we were doing something, and, and it was great on a Wednesday to be able to say, what do you want to do, son? It wasn't a matter of saying, well, I can't do this because I've got to go to work or, you know, I've got this to do. It was just a matter of saying, what do you want to do, and we're going to do it. Well, and that's so cool, too, because yesterday was a Friday at, and like you said, I dropped my kids off at about 1130 in the morning, and I wasn't worried if it was going to bump your schedule because you don't, you didn't, don't have one. Nope. You know, I, I didn't have to worry if you were going to have to take a day off to hang out with, with my kids. And it was, it's so refreshing to just be like, Hey, um, my, my parents want to hang out with my kids and, um, we get a little bit of a break. So, um, it, it's pretty awesome over the almost 30 years that you've been doing this. Have you, 
done any other product lines, we get asked in the home all the time, can you help me with my med subs? And, uh, you know, our answer is usually I know somebody else who does that, but no, I, I don't know anything about that, um, you know, or have you ever uh, said, well, you know, this or that might be a better fit for me. Have you ever tried anything else out? Yeah. Um, I got into the securities business, and I can't remember when that was. I want to say it was about the year 2000, and actually it was out of boredom. Um, again, I'd set my I'd, – I'd built my system, my training system, and, and my marketing system to where I was working two days a week, um, making a good six-figure income. Um, so I didn't need to make any more money per se. It's always I enjoy making money. Um, I didn't want to sell final expense more days because it involved travel. Um, one thing, one downside of living in Hayes, Kansas, is we have to travel a lot. So I really didn't want to drive anymore. But I thought maybe I could just get in the securities business and go see a few clients, you know, within a, a maybe a sixty mile radius and, and and knock out a few thousand bucks and enjoy that. And um, didn't enjoy it at all. Um, the Appointment setting was easy. The sales prospecting was easy. The uh, capturing the business was pretty easy. But when the market tanked and the phone started ringing and people want to know why we lost $80,000 last week on their account and I didn't know, it uh, wasn't easy. So I, I did try that for about 45 days. Didn't like it at all. So I basically just said thanks but no thanks. Um, I've had a lot of people want us to do med sups, um, want us to try different things, and and. That's one thing, again, I will give Gary Eller credit. Uh, he basically told me, he said, Jim, get really, really good at one thing. He said, final expense is simple. Um, it's not easy. It never has been easy. It will never be easy. But it's very simple. There's no maintenance involved. Um, and, and so basically I focused on that. And, and we stay in that niche so we don't have to do the extra work. I didn't get in this business, as I've said before, I didn't get in this business because I wanted to sell insurance. I got in this business because I was trying to create an income that fulfilled a lifestyle dream that I had. And that's what it's done for me. And so I wasn't looking to work more. I wasn't really even looking to make more money. Um, but I don't have hobbies. I don't play golf. Um, my children, uh, my family time is, is what drives me. And obviously you guys were in school. And so I had to, I tried to find something to do during the day. Um, but as far as trying to find something else, to make more money or to change the way we sell or anything, we've never really needed to because final expense has fulfilled uh, everything that I've ever wanted in life, uh, and, I, and I really believe it would for anybody if they're willing to work the system that we've designed. And, and again, I will say it again, it is not easy. It's probably one of the most difficult jobs you'll ever have. It's extremely grueling, um, but it, it's well worth it. And that, that's a perfect segue into this next question. I hadn't told you about this one because I'm, I'm – excited to hear the answer, but, uh, you, you've said before, you've just been doing this as, as in selling insurance until you could find something better. So you haven't found anything better. <laughs> um, no, I, at what point did you realize like, this is it, I I'm going to be doing this for a while. I'm still looking. <laughs> uh, I really, truly am still looking and, and, um, probably why we're doing this podcast is because you're 29 years of age. Um, it's and it's kind of a, I don't know, it's a yin yang, it's a two edged sword to say I hate final expense because it's so grueling, but I love final expense because we've got a lifestyle second to none, and so it's one of these things that is there a better way out there? I don't know, but I'm always looking. And and the nice thing about 
my life today is I don't have to look at it. I don't have to look at, at a different aspect or different avenue of life for the financial wherewithal. I'm looking now for something that will fulfill my, you know, drive and my passions in life, and, and that's helping other people succeed and things like that. So, you know, I, I guess if you're looking to get in this business, get in it. You know, get in it with both feet because you can create the dreams, you can create the income that you want if you're willing to work hard enough. But is it the end all to be all? I'm not really sure of that. It, it takes a special person to love this kind of um, business, and I've never loved the business, but I truly have loved the lifestyle that this business has created. So if um, we we couldn't be doing this, say the uh, government came out and gave everybody a $10,000 life insurance policy and poof, overnight our business was destroyed um, or – some other reason, what would you be doing? Well, I definitely love selling. I love helping people. Um, and, and one of the things that I've taught you and I teach at my seminars is learn to be great at selling and the world will beat your door down. And so basically I, I would probably put some feelers out and, and see what I could do to help you know, some corporation or some business or whatever um, in, in the process of selling, but I wouldn't, I don't lose a lot of sleep over that because once you have learned how to sell and you have a great system like we have, um, I can go into any business, any corporate corporation, any CEO and, and sit across his desk and say, I don't want anything from you. I don't want a paycheck. I don't want a corporate car. I don't want a Credit, I don't want a corporate expense account. Um, I just want an opportunity to take your product to the masses, and I'm going to take a percentage of it when I do. And you're going to pay me very, very well if I'm successful. But if I fail, it's not going to cost you anything. And there's not a, there is not a businessman in the world that wouldn't take that gamble with me. And so um, I don't really fear uh, our business falling off the you know, face of the earth. And if it does, again, we're salespeople. We can get a job anywhere, and, and the business of selling has been around since the dawn of time. Uh, it's just a matter of finding a product that we enjoy marketing. And you mentioned um, we've done a few sales seminars and um, had our agents come in and learn from us. And we always start start the question with the question, "What are you passionate about?" And we always get these answers: "Oh, I'm I'm really passionate about helping people," or "I'm really passionate about final expense life insurance." And we're like, "Okay, that's the answer you think we want to hear." Um, what we're we're more looking for is if money was no object, if you were a millionaire and you never had to worry about money ever again. What would you be doing? Same thing I'm doing right now. Uh, spending time with family. Um, I would have. I, I will spend this day with family. I will spend this day with you, with my grandchildren. Um, it's unique that you ask that because I don't. I think we have that lifestyle. We have the lifestyle of a of a multi million dollar. You know, we don't have that income, but we have the lifestyle of it. Uh, but it's interesting when you, when you talk about passion, uh, and, and as we ask that question, it is ironic because I always think people are going to say, oh, I would play golf all day or I'd go fishing a lot or I'd go hunting a lot or, you know, whatever. Um, I think that changes. I, I think back to when I was your age, uh, my passion, I never expected 
to spend time with my family the way that I have. That was your mom's passion. Uh, my drive, my passion was to make her dreams come true. And so for me, when I was your age, it was about making money. You know, my passion was, was developing that system, developing that success to have the ability to say, okay, I can take off a week now. Or as you said, you know, yesterday when you dropped the kids off, I didn't have to ask anybody if I could have time off. And so that was, I don't know if it was my passion, but it was my drive because I had to have something drive me through the difficult times of selling so that I could create the lifestyle. And so basically it was your mom's passion that drove me uh, to be a full-time dad, to be a full-time family. Uh, that passion is still there. I, I really enjoy spending time with you guys and your children. I can't wait for Maddie you know, to, to eventually become a family also, but she spends a lot of time with us. But my passion has changed to where I don't have to make a living anymore, where I can now look at ways to help you, you know, help Maddie, um, help other people be successful in life. And, and so um, different. Your, I think your passions are going to change throughout your lifetime. Right now, you're so involved with your children, uh, you can't even see straight. You know, your, your days are so busy. And I remember those days to where now we have time to sit around the evenings and say, what are we going to do tomorrow? Um, you know, how can we help the kids? How can we help other people? And things like that. So I think, you know, my passion is still... Um, what drives me, and, that, and that's making your dreams come true and, and my wife's dreams come true and my daughter's dreams come true and, and being that kind of a dad, but also helping other people develop their lifestyles and, and help their dreams come true. And it's funny how you answered that question because I had a follow-up question of how did, how did my mom influence this, and you kind of answered it um, in a roundabout way, but I wanted to dig into that a little bit deeper. You have told me that um, I had a buddy in high school, Chase, and you said that was me in in high school, in college. Um, you know, I was just like Chase, and I was like, I, you know, I don't know that I really like Chase, but um, Chase has grown up just like the rest of us have. But uh, Mom was actually self employed before you were, and how did she? Um, I don't want to say influence you, but form you and make you see her way of looking at the world rather than the way you looked at it when you were in high school and college? Um, I, well, first of all, mom never looked at her job as a job. Um, she never said, I'm going to be self-employed and I'm going to develop this preschool system and, and I'm going to make a lot of money. She did it out of the pure love uh, of teaching children. She loves to teach children. She loves to spend time with children. If you gave her a, a, an option to spend time with three or four of her best friends or a room full of children, she'll take the children nine, 99, I would say even 100 times out of 100. She just loves to be around children. So it really wasn't a business philosophy that she, that she pushed or, or, or talked with me about. She just never held me back. You know, many spouses... Uh, would say, why in the world are you leaving a job where you've got a guaranteed paycheck, you've got a job you love, you've got a boss you really enjoy working for? There was no downside to the business I was in other than it was very time-consuming, uh, which, again, was fine with me. I enjoy working. Um, but, you know, Mom saw was looking for a way to spend more time as a family. And so the influence came from that perspective. But she, I don't think she ever looked at herself as being self-employed, uh, more than she just looked at herself as being a teacher of children, and she got paid to do it. It was kind of a side effect. She just loved her job so much that, you know, she said, I get to spend all day with these children, and I get paid to do it, 
where I've always looked at business as business. You know, the only reason I'm going to do something is, is am I getting paid? If I'm not going to get paid, I ain't doing it. You know, and that was a philosophy, a, a mindset that I had to change. Because, uh, yeah, through high school and college, I was very egotistical. It was all about Jim Mall. You know, if you, you mentioned earlier, if I was at a, a cocktail party and someone came up and, and asked me, what do you do or how you doing, I, was, I had no problem talking about myself a lot. And so the influence your mom has had on me has helped me be more, you know, open to talk to people about their lives and, and what's happening with them and things like that and stop being so self-centered. So I want to dig in to kind of your formation in selling in over 30 years almost, um, just the, the little nitpicky things. Uh, you've been at it for so long. You've been so successful. When was the last time you didn't? hit your goal. And let me, let me add a little bit more color there. Um, when we go out in the field each week, um, we have the same goal. We're trying to sell $334 of monthly premium, which when multiplied out uh, times 12 is around $4,000 of production. And so that was a goal that, um, you and I, you've built over the years. And then as I entered the business, you recommended that that's kind of the level that you need to be at to make this system work and to make the machine move. And so, um, you've had a bunch of different goals over the years and at varying different stages, you've, you've hit those goals, but, um, just talk about hitting the goal. And, um, I've got something to back that up. Even though you've given me probably a minute and a half to think of an answer, I don't have one. Um, I have no idea when the last time I did not hit my production goal. And But let's step back to 1988, and I sat down with my boss, and he said, you know, he just said, how much money do you need to make, you know, to pay your bills for Sue to stay home and, and, and be successful enough in this business that, that, you know, you can pay your bills? And I said, we would need to make $50,000. He said, okay, here's what you need to do. You need to write $2,000 every week. Um, based on the commission schedule I was on of 70% and the expenses I'd be creating, he said, you'll, you'll net uh, $50,000. And I, ironically, I did exactly what they told me to do, and I actually made about $64,000 uh, the first uh, year I was in the business. And then I went into um, – I started buying leads, which added expenses, so they recommended that I should increase my production goal up to around $3,000 uh, just to cover those lead expenses. And so I did that um, beginning in 1989, and it took me – I missed – that year I missed my goal 12 times. So it took me some time to kind of work up to that. And I was working three – several times I worked four days a week to just to try to accomplish that goal and sometimes didn't. But, again, out of 50 weeks, I only missed it, you know, 12 times. Uh, but my, my average uh, was well over $3,000. Uh, it took me uh, till 1992 to master that. As I said, I, I felt by 1992 I had hit my goal enough times, two days a week, that I could say, okay, I'm going to set a goal now, and I'm I'm not going to work more than 100 days a year and still hit that production goal. And I missed it. That first year I missed it, I think, eight times. Uh, the next year I think I missed it four times. And then I think the next couple of years I'd miss it two, one time here, two times there. And it probably took me about five years to where I could basically say, this is it. I can hit this forever. And then in 2002, we remodeled the house. We were totally debt-free. We owed nobody nothing from probably 19, 
I would say probably in the early 1990s. We, 1993, 1995, somewhere in area, we had paid off our house. We had no debts, and we were just sucking money away for retirement. And, and, and we knew we needed to do some changes on the home, and so we finally decided let's, let's do the remodel project. It got totally out of hand. Um, in, a, in fact, it probably was almost double what we thought we were going to spend. So we had to go back in debt, and it really frustrated me. And so basically I said, okay, I will wipe this debt. I was over $200,000, and I thought I'm going to wipe this out. In, I set a goal to wipe it out in three years. So I stepped my goal up from 3000 to 4000 just to have the extra income to wipe out that debt, and we did that. We wiped it out in, th- in three years. I actually, that first year out, I actually broke uh, Old American sales record, their, their one-year sales record. I, I issued and paid over $213,000 in that one year. No one had ever done that before. And then um, I did that for probably, I don't know, three, four, five years, and then one of my agents uh, one time said, hey, Jim, do you think you could maintain your $4,000 goal and do it one day a week? And I said, let's find out. And so I was more diligent in my appointment setting. Uh, I, I got more information from the clients on the phone, found people that were really looking to buy insurance and, and was able to do it you know, several times. Again, I missed probably eight or ten times the first year, but eventually I honed that down. And I would say now probably in the past five or six or seven years, uh, I've never missed my goal of $4,000, and I've never worked more than a day uh, a week in the field. So in the answer to your question, I don't know when I haven't hit my goal. It's been a long time. And just to clarify for folks out there, when we talk about a day in the field, um, first of all, we're sitting down on, on Sunday afternoon or evening to set appointments. That's a, a three- to five-hour process on Sunday night. Um, the one day that we're talking about is on Monday. Um, usually we get up around four thirty, five in the morning. We're on the road by 5.30 or 6.00. Uh, we drive almost three hours to get to our 9 o'clock appointment. We run appointments every hour on the hour from 9 a.m. to usually 8 p.m. Then we're on the road uh, around 9 p.m. eating supper after dark, and we're home at midnight to 1 a.m. Um, and so, and then on Tuesday, we get up and do three to five hours of paperwork. And so when we say we're we're working one day in the field, um, first of all, it's a very long, grueling day um, where you have to be mentally on it all day long. It's very taxing um, bodily-wise. I mean, I, I don't function very well the, the next day. Um, but it, And it isn't just wake up on Monday, um, work your butt off and sell all day, and just you're done for the week because we had that, that Sunday and that Tuesday of, of extra time in there. So just to uh, kind of paint that picture, but you said in the last five to seven years, you've hit your goal every week. You've done that in one day. Um, do you still have the elation every week when you hit your goal or is it just expected now? It's expected. I, I do expect it, but I still have the elation. And, and you know this, Tucker, as well as I do. When you work that hard and what you just described – uh, to our group, when you work that hard to accomplish something, you are elated because it is grueling. Uh, but yes, I still get pretty darn excited when I hit my goal. And sometimes I hit it, like this last week, I hit my goal, I think at two or three o'clock in the afternoon, and I still had appointments into the evening. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm walking on air the rest of the day. So I do still get as elated because it is, it's a lot of work. But the other thing that we also need to bring into context here is, is you and I have this system 
that we do this religiously on, you know, Sunday afternoon, work Monday, we're off Tuesday. That, you know, we've got agents in our group that, in fact, one of them called me yesterday, and he finally got out on Thursday uh, to, to knock on some doors uh, just because he had some things with his kids going on with the new school year starting and things like that. So, you know, the nice thing about this program is the flexibility. And, and even if you got home at midnight on Monday evening, but you had something, your family was involved with something on Tuesday that you couldn't do paperwork, so be it. You do paperwork on Wednesday. You do paperwork on Thursday. You just get it done whenever you can. So, you know, we have the ability to, to change our schedule as needed. But the one day that we are in the field, um, again, we drive a lot of miles. We see a lot of people. And we are totally removed from our family. But we're only removed for that one. And it is. It's probably almost a, an 18 to 20-hour day. But uh, it's, and it's ironic you bring that up because I made a note here. Um, going back to, you know, when you asked me earlier kind of how did this whole philosophy come about and I, and I remember thinking back when I was working 40 hours a week, and, and many of you out there are doing that right now, probably more, but your boss requires you to work a 40-hour work week if you want to pick up a paycheck. And I got to thinking, wouldn't it be unique if you could find a job or a business of some sort where you work 20 hours on Monday? Your boss said, yeah, just come in and work 20 hours. And then you went home and rested four hours, and you worked 20 hours on Tuesday. Uh, it would be grueling. You'd be exhausted. But you got your 40 hours in in two days. And then Wednesday morning, you slept till about noon, and then you had the rest of the week to do whatever you wanted. And I said, ironically, I, I remember thinking that back in the probably early 80s. I was probably doing probably an, an Amway seminar or something, and I remember talking about, wouldn't that be unique? And ironically, 10 years later, we'd created that lifestyle, and we live it even more so today. And so there is a way. Um, Tucker's a big fan of Tim Ferriss. Uh, he has a book called The 4-Hour Workweek, and he has a pod cast system. Um, but Tim Ferriss kind of said the same thing. He said, you don't have to work 40 hours a week just to make a living. Just get really, really good at what you do. And you can work several hours a week and create the income you need to create or work one or two days a week, a lot of hours, but create the lifestyle you want. So there's a lot of options out there uh, to accomplish whatever you want to accomplish. So when we're, uh, like I told people before, we're we're trying to hit that $334 a monthly premium, and that's just our way of, of tracking our goal throughout the day. So you make a $30 sale in the morning, and then you make a, a $50 sale at noon, and then you, you make a $100 sale at 2 in the afternoon, and then you make a, another $30 sale, and then um, you're sitting at 300, and 300 bucks even, and then you finally make that $35 sale. What do we say? The weekend starts now. Where, where did that come from? Who started that? Uh... Actually, um, every time I would go in my boss's office, um, when I was with Old American, we had to turn our business into the to the agency office every week. So I'd go out and work on my Monday and Tuesday, get up early in the morning, and or even maybe Tuesday night, I'd do my paperwork, and I'd show up at the office. You know, Wednesday morning, usually around ten o'clock, and hand my paperwork to. Uh, his wife, who was the office manager, and Leela would do the paperwork, and I'd go in Gary's office and kind of shoot the breeze with him for 20 or 30 minutes, and I'd say, hey, see you later. And he says, enjoy your weekend. And, and it never really really dawned on me for a while until all of a sudden I went, the weekend does start now. It's Wednesday. It's before noon, and the weekend starts now. And, and so it's just something through the process of, of working this job um, that that came about. But your weekend you know, can start whenever you want it to start. It doesn't require... Uh, Friday night at five o'clock for the weekend to start, and so yeah, it's something that we get we text back and forth. It's TWSN, and uh, and there's nothing you know. You asked me, Tucker, if if I'm elated when I hit my goal, 
or do I just expect it and I just kind of expect it? But I get really elated when my phone goes off about 6 or 7 or 8 o'clock in the evening, and it's a text from Tucker saying TWSN, all capitals with exclamation marks behind it. I'm thinking, great. Tucker's done for the week also. He can spend time with his family. And so when Tucker attains his goal, I attain my goal. And it's even for all my agents. When when they call me up and, and tell me they had a great week and you know, they spent time with their family and things like that, that, that's, that really makes me elated. So, yeah, TWSN is... You know, four letters I love to see on my phone. So uh, drive versus contentment. You've, you have enough to be content. Um, you don't need to worry about that. Um, what drives you to get up at 4.35 a.m. every Monday morning and drive three hours to work and work a 18 to 20-hour a day and uh, week in and week out? Why do you do that? Mostly it's... Um Leadership by example. I have many, many people watching what I do. We put out a production bulletin every week, and um, I'm always not on the top of it, but I'm near the top of it. Uh, but as you become a trainer and, and uh, a leader, I don't want any of my agents or, or even for you, Tucker, to come to me and say, but, Dad, you don't understand. I'm struggling, and you don't understand. Yes, I do understand. I struggle the same way you guys struggle. And I've had many people ride in my car for that reason. Um, when, when one of my agents are struggling, I said, get out to Hayes, Kansas, or get to Wichita, Kansas, and get in my car. Sit in the front seat and watch me struggle. You know, you'll see me get frustrated. You'll see people say no to me. But you'll also see me say, okay, say no, that's fine, have a good day. I shake your hand, and I move on. And I find someone who will say yes. And so um, the drive is still there through the, through the process of leadership. But one thing you'll find in life, Tucker, is there's, there's several phases in life. And, and the first phase is where you're at, and that's pure survival. I mean, you're just out there every week just trying to make a living. You're trying to keep your head above water. And, and as you, you know, create wealth and as you pay bills down, you're not very far from being debt-free. You're within 10 years of being totally debt-free. Uh, you'll be less than 40 years of age, and, and barring nothing happening major, your house will be paid for and you'll have zero debt which is all you have right now anyway, it's just a house. And, and for most people in America to say, I'm going to be 40 years of age and totally debt-free is, is phenomenal. And so we have those, that first phase of, of survival just to pay the bills. And then we start building things, you know, building our retirement accounts and paying debts down. And, and, and then we start creating the wealth and, and giving back. And I think I'm in that phase now where it's time to start building a legacy. My goal over the next five to ten years is to create a legacy for you and for my grandchildren, uh, something that they can step into. You know, we were fortunate that you know your, my stepfather, your step grandfather, uh, provided a, the financial wherewithal for all thirteen of his step grandchildren to go to college, on money that he put into a fund for them, and that's one of our goals that your mother and I have is to make sure that your children have the opportunity to to have a good uh, leap into life without coming out of college with debt. Uh, and, and possibly putting money into some some sort of funds that will also help them start a business if they choose to. Uh, so now it's it's time to build the legacy. So that's what continues to drive me. Uh, plus also the ability to not only give to the community and, and give to the, the organizations we love to give to, but to include you guys, you and, and your family and Maddie and her friends in our lifestyle. You know, when we travel, uh, your mom and I have had the fortunate uh, to the good fortune to travel many, many places. Um, 
but most of the time we've always taken you guys with us from the time you were little up until today. I mean, your son, my grandson, we celebrated his first birthday on the beaches of Turks, Turks and Caicos. I mean, that's unbelievable. But that's what drives me to continue to work is because it gives us the financial wherewithal to say not only are we going to Turks and Caicos, we're going to take you guys with us. It's way more fun to enjoy those events and enjoy those great places when we do it as a family. So uh, I think you probably already answered this, but um, drive and contentment seem to be opposing views. But I think the same thing that drives you is the same thing that brings you contentment. Is there anything else that brings you contentment? No, um, like I said, I, I love, I love to be successful. I I love challenges. I love to work. I mean, I, I think you can vouch for this growing up. One of the things you probably didn't see me do much is watch television. I don't watch much television and, um, I'm always looking for a project. I mean, something that drives you guys crazy and drives mom crazy is I love to mow. I sit on a a really sweet mower and, and, and I'll mow my yard and I'll mow my neighbor's yard and I'll load it up and pull it over to Tucker's and mow around his you know, 26 acres around his pond, and, and it just gives me satisfaction because it gives me something to do. And so drive, I, yeah, even though they're, I mean, if you look at them in a dictionary or whatever, they're probably opposing words, but I think if if you do what drives you, it creates contentment. If you, if you accomplish goals and you accomplish things, I mean, think about it when you have a list of things to do, whether you it's your list or your wife's list she gave you, when you start crossing things off, you obviously have accomplished a goal, so you had the drive to do that, but you're very contented. When that list is done, you step, sit back and go, wow, this is awesome. And so, yes, I think those two words work together. So when you do take that drive and turn it into something, a goal-accomplishing process, you create contentment. As far as the um, the tactical things that we do in the home in the sales presentation – we have to ask questions of our clients, um, and a lot of times they're um, sensitive. They're personal questions um, about their life insurance that they do have already or their kids or their life or their health. Um, first of all, how do you ask those questions in the house? But then also how does asking those questions carry over into your everyday life when you need to ask somebody to do something for you or to help you with something else? Well, I'll answer that in two phases. I guess the first, um, obviously, yes, we do have to probe our clients' minds to find out what they're thinking about. But I think part of being a good salesperson and, and the training that we provide teaches you that when you are providing a service to somebody, they're more than happy to give you that information. I guess the way to look at that is, you know, I always tell you guys, become a professional salesperson. And so look at people in your lives that are professionals, whether it's your doctor, your lawyer, your minister, your CPA. Uh, anytime you're with those people, they ask you questions that are very personal. Many times it's about your finances, might be about your health, might be about you know your personal life, whomever you're talking to. And you have no problem opening up, opening up and giving those people that information because you are asking them for help. And so as a salesperson, when you go in with a mindset of helping people, solve a problem, then they're very willing to give you that information. So the first thing I do is I lay the groundwork to help these people understand you've got a problem. I am your knight in shining armor. I'm here to help you solve that problem, and I can solve it better than anybody in the world. And I, again, I lay that groundwork when I say I've done this for 28 years. I've got over 8,000 clients. I've helped a lot of people. Um, 
but now I need to ask you some questions to make sure we can help you. And so as I lead into it from that perspective, then I can help them realize they're going to give me, they need to give me this information if they want my help. Now, it hasn't happened very many times, but it has happened a few times where someone says, that's really none of your business. And I said, you know what? You are right. It is none of my business unless you want me to help you. And nine times out of ten, I'll say, I don't think I want you to help me. And I said, have a good day. Here's my business card if I can ever help you. And I walk out. And so most of the time, people are looking for someone to help them. If we are genuine in what we're doing, they will be more than happy to give that information. As far as asking other people to help me, you know, that's probably the hardest thing for me to do. I, I'm terrible at it because, <clears throat> first of all, I, I'm the type of person that says, if you're going to do it, do it yourself, and that way it's done right. Um, and so it's difficult for me to ask other people to do things for me, um, and I'm learning. I'm having to learn because I don't have the time or energy I have the time, I guess I should say, but I don't have the energy to get involved in a lot of these things because I still, you know, it seems like, okay, if, if I say yes to this, that means I have to say no to you. I have to say no to mom. I have to say no to Sperry and Tracer. And, and so it's hard for me right now, but it's something I have to learn to do is to learn to delegate. I'm terrible at it. I'm very bad at it. What other, um, what other correlations or carryovers do you see from our business uh, of selling insurance into just everyday life? or into the, the real world, if you will? Everything. Um, she asked me that question. The, 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 the fireworks went off my head, just went, wow. Um, learning to accomplish goals is probably the biggest thing that anybody can do in life. It will help you, you know, attain anything you want in life. And, and this business forces you to set goals. It forces you to be organized. It forces you to work through difficult times. It forces you to deal with difficult people uh, if you want to be successful. And it forces you to, to move on when you don't want to move on. Uh, if, you know, the probably the biggest advantage we've had is, as you said, we work three hours from home. So when, you know, the going gets tough, I can't just say, well, I'm going to go home. I'm just going to go take the rest of the day off and go home. I can't. You know, I'm three hours from home. I might as well just gruel it out and get it done. And so, Everything that creates success in this business will create sex, create success in your life uh, if you will apply the same principles. And that's nothing more than, you know, sitting down and, and, and figuring out what you want from life. If you want to lose weight, then let's sit down and figure out how to lose weight. If you want to make money, let's make money. If you want to save money for retirement, let's figure that out. You know, you, you coach CrossFit, Tucker, and CrossFit has the same thing. It's just a much more... You know, I just came to the gym this morning and watched you do a five-minute workout. So you, your goals were on the, on the whiteboard. You had to do these three movements, and you had five minutes to get it done and get as many reps as possible. And so when you were done, you were sweating, you were exhausted, but you were also, you know, had accomplished something. And so this business drives you to set goals, figure out how to attain those goals, and then take the vehicle given and, and work through the process to attain those, and you can accomplish pretty much anything in life. So I, it works hand in hand, and it's probably – and the other neat thing is you get to see it work for you. You know, a lot of people say uh, – and you and I both do this. I know I always spend the first 30 minutes of my drive time in prayer, and, and one of the things I always thank God for is obviously all the blessings that I have, but I also thank him that I get to watch him work in my business that day. I get to see the results of being a faithful person 
and trusting in God that things are going to work out. When someone, when you walk into someone's house and they say, hey, you can come in and you can talk all you want, but we're not signing any papers. We're not giving you information. We just want information from you. And I say, that's perfectly great. And 45 minutes later, they're shaking your hand. They're patting your back and saying, thank you so much. This is exactly what we've been looking for. That's not all me. That, that's, you know, God putting us into people's lives to help us attain their goals also. So we get to see many, many aspects of life through this business, through the success in this business, we can create success for ourselves and we create success for other people and helping them accomplish their goals. Sure. And it's a, it's a well-known fact that when you set goals um, that God or the universe or what, whatever force is acting there are going to bring people into your life and you're going to be brought into their life and goals get accomplished when they're, when they're set and they're written down and, and people know, know that the, they're going to get done. Um, we've been talking about lifestyle this whole time. Uh, what is your proudest, most proud insurance accomplishment besides building an awesome lifestyle? Because mm-hmm. we know that that's there. You know, the, the writing's on the wall on that one. But um, I know you've broken some sales records and things like that. But um, th- that I know you. And, and those don't mean a whole lot. Um, but besides building the lifestyle and and showing me what an awesome lifestyle we can build, uh, what's some of your other proud accomplishments? I, I think, yeah, Tucker, yeah, though, we've got boxes and boxes of trophies and plaques in our attic, um, and, and those are fine. Even breaking the sales record at Old American was a huge accomplishment, but it was nothing like seeing your success in life, seeing Maddie's success in life, having two children that I don't have to worry about. Um, I don't have to worry about you guys. You know, are you going to get in trouble? Are you going to, you know, mess around on your wife? Or, you, you know, I, I don't worry about those things because you have such a great foundation. And, and I've helped so many other people with that process. So, you know, the awards we get from the insurance companies, that's just a matter of going out and doing your job and doing it well. Um, but the reputation that I have in this business is, is I'm really proud of. Um, it's, it's fun to go to the seminars the companies put on or even being at the Life Insurance Council meetings and things that people come up to you and say, you know, thank you uh, for what you've done for my organization or thank you what you've done for my family. And those are great accomplishments too. But, yeah, the biggest thing is, is, is the family that we have, the nucleus we have, um, I, and, of course, you don't know any different because you grew up in it. Um, I should probably back up a little bit and, and explain uh, to our listening crowd. Um, as I told you earlier, my, my dad was a funeral director. My parents divorced in 1972 and sold the funeral home. But that was my dad's second marriage already, and then he had one more after that. My mom has had four marriages. My mom's been married four times. My dad was married three times. And so, you know, for me, um, I didn't have a great role model to say, oh, I'm going to pattern my life after this person or or whatever. And and so fortunately, when I married your mom, she came from a very happy married home. And and so I basically took that lead and said, let's run in that direction. So, uh, But as far as the accomplishments, um, there's a lot of them. um, And and again, that goes back to, you know, when I was 29, when I was your age, you know, it was about how much money can I make. I mean, I I wear probably a $10,000 Rolex that I was very proud that I earned. I mean, I didn't buy it. Um, I actually, the company said, if you do this, this, and this, we'll give you a, a Rolex watch. And I'm going, I've always wanted one of those because it's a status symbol. 
but does it mean that much to me today? It, I'm proud to wear it, but if I lost it tomorrow, it wouldn't change my life at all because, you know, the things that really drive me is having my grandchildren wake me up on my birthday. You know, that's just awesome, you know, to, to know that, you know, you guys have a stable lifestyle and that you'll continue to move this forward is even more so. So, yeah, the accomplishments change kind of like the passion changes and the goals change from, you know, when I was 25 to when I was 30 to when I was 40 to when I was 50. You know, those all change. But the system that you have to develop, the the process of accomplishing goals, writing things down, uh, working hard to accomplish them, that doesn't change at all. And, and, and you can do anything in life that you want to do if you work that type of a system. So the name uh, One and Done comes from uh, the system that you've built and that you've come up with and how I've been able to um, copy it and model my lifestyle so that we can go out in the field uh, for our one day and then be done for the week. Um, what are we trying to accomplish with One and Done? What's your vision for the future? Everything we've talked about over this past hour is, has been, we've talked more about lifestyle than anything. And my goal is for anybody that wants to create a lifestyle for their family is to help them do that um, because it's very attainable. You know, as Tim Ferriss says in his four-hour work week, um, you know, you can do anything you want if, if you just get a system, get organized, and get after it. Um, and so, you know, the, the name of it came from you. You know, the one and done came from you, but it, it was bigger. You know, for me, it's easy to say, well, yeah, I've been one and done for, for years, but you talk about it, you know, there, there's different philosophies in, in weightlifting, uh, in sports. You know, one and done in sports is not a good thing, you know, because many times you go into, you know, a, a series with a, another team and, you know, the winner takes all and one and done, you're done. And so sometimes it can have a, have a negative uh, connotation to it, but we look at it from a very positive aspect to say, yeah, you're going to work hard for one or two days, but you're going to be done and you move forward from there. So, yeah, the thing that I see us accomplishing is, is helping people that want that very, very unique lifestyle and are willing to work for it is we've got the system out there to help them build it. Well, and the biggest thing, too, is is all the agents that are flooding into the final expense space uh, with no training. Um, a lot of times they don't even understand the products they're selling, much less how to present them, how to get in front of people. And so um, a lot of things that we probably won't touch on is the product training because everybody has a different one. Uh, but this is more about, um, how to be successful, how to get in front of people, how to make sales, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. That's really a great way to say it is, is this is how to be successful because, you know, you can have the greatest product in the world, uh, and, and even you can have some of the greatest training in the world, but if they don't take you to that next level and say, how do you, put all this together and take this amazing vehicle and drive it at the levels we drive it at um, doesn't mean much. We just got a new recruit yesterday. Uh, Ken sent me an email. And he has a new recruit out in Boston that he was with another company, uh, and he said, we have no training. You know, we got a good product, but I don't know what I'm doing. So, you know, he happened to stumble onto our website, our senior insurance solutions website, and so he contacted our recruiter through that process and said, I'm interested in your training. And so, um, yeah, one and done is a philosophy to say you can do anything you want to do, but it is a model to create success. Well, it's kind of like a Ferrari that you drive around in second gear 
all day long. Yeah. You know, it's not going to go real fast. It can. Um, <laughs> it can. <laughs> it can, and then you're going to burn it right up. Yeah. But, uh, you know, we want to give you all the gears available. Right. All the horsepower. Um, these next ones, uh, I, we'll call them quick draw questions. They'll just be um, quick questions, but the answers might be a little longer. doesn't matter. Do you have any morning rituals? Oh, yes. Um, and while you're thinking of the year answer, do they change on your workday? Sure. Or are they always the same every single day? Um, but since we have um, one day that we work, I know mine is different on my work day than it is any other day of the week. Absolutely. Um, my work day ritual is way different. Obviously, we're up very early. Um, but ironically, my my alarm very seldom goes off. I'm like a dairy farmer, I guess. I've, I've gotten up at 5 a.m. Monday morning for so many years that my alarm doesn't even go off. I get up at about 4.55, and I'm in the shower, grab my breakfast, eat breakfast. It's uh, frosted mini wheats. Uh, every Monday morning, it's frosted mini wheats. And I'm in my car usually between 5.30 and 5.45, and um, it's about a three-mile drive to the interstate from my house. And I have a short prayer that I leave my house. I bless my house, and I bless my wife, and I bless my children and, and my, my daughter-in-law and, and my grandchildren. And then when I hit the highway, uh, within one mile of Hayes, I have started my prayer routine. And, and it's about a 30 to 45-minute process that I pray uh, mostly, you know, in, in Thanksgiving. I pray a rosary. Um, and then at 7 a.m., almost religiously, I call Tucker. Um, he's traveling the same time, so I call you. We visit for usually almost an hour. Um, we usually visit ourselves almost right up to, uh, to where we stop and go to the bathroom real quick and, and get to work. And, and so um, that's my workday ritual. Uh, as far as my morning ritual, other than that, no. Uh, I wake up when, when my eyes come open. Sometimes that's at 5.30 in the morning. If that happens, usually I go to the CrossFit gym and work out at 6.00. Uh, most time we get up, your mom and I get up between 6.30 and 7.30, depending on how much light streaming in our bedroom window. And um, mom always sits down the night before and writes down what needs to be done. Um, I don't. I have it in my mind. So if I have office work to do, I will do office work. If it's time to mow, I mow. Uh, if I have nothing to do, I ask your mom, what can we do today? And so my schedule pretty much revolves around your guys' schedule from that perspective. Um, do you have a question about a nighttime schedule? That was next. Okay. So what about bedtime rituals? Okay. That is the same every night. Um, obviously, I, I have terrible teeth, and so I'm religiously about flossing and brushing my teeth every night. I write in a journal. I have written in a journal since the day you were born, July 11th of 1987. Actually, it started before that when we were in Lama's class. They recommended we start journaling when our wives go into labor. And so we journal like every hour. Uh, why this was happening, and of course Tucker was born emergency cesarean, so it was quite a process. And uh, well, I should back up even before that. Um, my wife and I dated through high school and college. I happened to go away to college for two years, a hundred miles from here. This was back before cell phones. Uh, long distance phone calls were expensive, and like I said earlier, we were broke. Um, so were our parents, and so it wasn't a matter we were going to call on the phone. And so we just decided to journal every day. And I traveled a lot playing college baseball. And so I would just journal, and then we would get together, oh, maybe twice a month or every three weeks, and I would either come back to Hayes and spend some time with Sue, or she would come out to Colby and spend some time with me, and we would read each other's journal. And so we did that for uh, the year that I was out there. We didn't date the first year I was out there. She dated folks, guys back here in Hayes, and I dated girls out there in Colby, and then the second year we dated each other. 
But then after, and then we didn't do it. After we, I came back and finished my last two years of college here in Hayes, we didn't journal because we spent almost every day together. And then we got married and life went on. And so then we, when we started the process of your birth, Lamas talked about journaling just that time period. And it's ironic that when, if you're born, um, mom said, why don't you just keep journaling? And I went, okay. And so the first thing I do every night before I go to bed, after I brush my teeth, is I journal. Takes me less than five minutes, but I have a journal for every year uh, of your life, and it's in a fireproof safe. And and so I've journaled every day since July 11th of 1987. And what's in there? Is it goals that you have, or is that aspirations, or is it? No, it's just what went on. You know what each of us did. You know what I did, what Sue did, what Tucker did, what Maddie did. Now sometimes what the grandkids have done or said something unique. Uh, and something I started here just a couple years ago is the last thing I do is I write a little T and an equal next to it because I, I read something a while back that said we should always be thankful, find one thing you're thankful for that day. And so I write one word or one word or one little sentence, what I was thankful for for that day. Um, and so I always want to make sure I go to bed with something that I'm thankful for. Um, I've also had one of my clients challenge me. Jeez, um, this has probably been 20 years ago. Um, but I, I met him. He was a pastor, and I met him for my first appointment at 9 a.m., and I went and knocked on his door, and I heard his, uh, hello, you Mr. Mall? And I said, yeah. I kind of turned around. He was actually sitting on a bench in front of his church. He said, come over. We're going to visit over here. And so we sat down, and he said, uh, introduced himself, and I introduced myself. And he goes, Mr. Mall, have you been nourished this morning? Have you been nourished today? And I said, well, of course I have. I had breakfast this morning about 530. I had a bowl of frosted mini wheats. And he goes, no, I'm not talking about you know food. I'm talking about your spirit. Has your spirit been nourished? I said, well, no, sir, it has not. And he said, would you mind if we read a lot in the Bible and we prayed briefly and then, we'll, then I'll let you have the stage? And I said, fair enough. And when we got done, he said, could I ask a favor of you? And I said, well, I'll sure try my best. And he said, would you make me a promise to read your Bible every day from this point forward? I said, I will, I will make that promise to you. And I can faithfully say I have read my Bible just almost every day since that time. So the next thing is I write in my journal and then I read in my Bible. I read, you know, try to read uh, just one chapter every night in the Bible. And I, because of that process, going back to goal accomplishments and, and just doing baby steps of anything, I've read the Bible now uh, cover to cover probably four times. You know, I started uh, in Genesis and went all the way to uh, Revelation. I started Revelation, went back to Genesis, and I started in the middle and worked both ways. I've read the Old Testament first, and I read the New Testament. So I've read it in many different ways. And I'm reading right now the same Bible I gave you and Maddie for Christmas, the uh, John Maxwell Leadership Bible. I'm reading now, so I studied, I'm studying the leadership uh, philosophies of many of the leaders in the Bible, what they did right, what they did wrong, things like that. And then I, um, I have a prayer that I pray every night um, concerning, um, we didn't talk about this, but my wife has uh, leukemia, and so we have a St. Peregrin prayer that I say every night, and I pray for all of our friends that have cancer, and that list keeps getting longer and longer. It's up to 12 people now. Um, but I say that, and then I read uh, something. I read fiction. I read motivational books. Uh, I kind of flip back and forth. Right now I'm reading a, a book uh, about a gentleman that was in uh, Afghanistan or one of, the, one of the worst places to be in the Middle East as far as a, uh, an army outpost or whatever. So I've just started it, so I'm not really sure what all that's going to come about. So that is a, obviously a biography uh, from some of the military. So that's my night ritual is, is I brush my teeth, write my journal, read my Bible, say one prayer, and then I read my book, and then obviously I say my night prayers as I fall asleep. For morning, evening, do you drink coffee? Do you drink tea? Do you um, have any 
supplements or anything that help you fall asleep or wake up or anything? I drink water. Uh, I do not drink coffee. I love the smell of coffee. Do not like the taste of coffee. Um, I do take uh, a nutritional supplement every morning. It comes from our Amway days. It was just it's called a double X. It's just a multivitamin of some sort. Um, I religiously take that every day, and I take my fish oil every day and some vitamin, whatever whatever your mother tells me to take, I take. <laughs> you know, I'm not too worried. About it. I'm, I'm fortunate. I have no health concerns. I take no medications. I, I have my blood pressure is great. My health is great, uh, fortunately. Uh, so I don't take any medications of any kind. I drink nothing but water. Um, all day, uh, every meal I drink water. Um, in evenings, depending on what you did to me at the CrossFit gym, I will either sometimes have to take a couple aspirin so I can get to sleep because my, my body hurts. Uh, and sometimes I take a product called Restore, uh, which is a, you can, I don't, it's melatonin. And, yeah, it's a whole blend of things, helps yeah. you fall asleep and metabolize and things like that. So, so. I take those probably a couple times a week, and there, but there's many times I just go to bed because I'm exhausted. It's been a wonderful day. I don't need a lot of help getting to sleep. I don't have, need a lot of help staying asleep. Um, so, but yeah, I don't drink. Now I do drink a, a large, very large, like a 44 ounce glass of iced tea. Um, on my way home, on the ride home, I need a little bit of a caffeine boost. I guess I used to do diet coke, and you guys throttled me on that. So, and I still crave diet coke. I love diet cokes, but I don't drink them anymore. And I drink a good cold beer about one or two times a week. So, that's about as far as that. You've talked a, a little bit about goal setting. Um, what does that look like to you personally? Boy, that's a bad question to ask me because well, I'm terrible at it. Yeah, I'm terrible. It's at one of those uh, do what I say, not what I do. It's things terrible. Yeah, with you, I, mean, I know. In fact, believe it or not, this year is the first time I've ever actually sat down and wrote out some business goals, uh, personal goals. You know, I know when we started CrossFit, your mom sat down and she said, "I'm gonna, you know, I, this is what I'm gonna accomplish in CrossFit." I'm going, I'm just showing up. You know, I just I'm gonna show up and grill through this stuff, and and so I guess. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm terrible at setting goals. I have one goal in life, uh, and that's as far as business, and that's to hit that $4,000 goal every week. Because what I have found is by doing that, everything else becomes accomplished. Now, I, I shouldn't say that I don't set goals because obviously every month X amount of dollars comes out of one account and goes into my retirement account. So my, my goal setting to accomplish X amount of dollars being in my retirement account by a certain time in my life is being accomplished, but it's done automatically. So I don't have to write that down. I don't write a check for it. It's done automatically, but it's happening. It's something I had to do. I had to initiate. Um, uh, but as far as saying I'm going to you know, run a mile under four minutes next year, no, I don't have goals like that. As far as saying I'm going to break any records in sales, no. Um, but I just I'm, I I know how the system works. I know how to set goals. I know how to accomplish goals. But I'm not the kind of guy that has to have it written down. That has to have a step by step process and make myself do it. I can if I need to, but I don't have to. I can accomplish pretty much anything in life I want to accomplish just by making myself do it. Just by saying, Jim, go do this. And and my mind, like you said, the 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 system kicks in at that point in time. And, and it gets accomplished. But the other thing is probably one of the reasons I'm terrible at goal setting and, and writing things down is because I hate projects that are undone. Nothing drives me more crazy than to say, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to remodel my deck or something like that, and it takes me three months, and i got lumber laying all over and crap laying all over. That stuff just drives me crazy. And so that's probably one of the reasons I don't do that much, you know, writing things down and saying we're going to accomplish this. But we do still accomplish quite a few things. 
Do you have any heroes or people that you admire or look up to? You. Um, I've always said I want to be like you just because you have a great um, disposition on life. You don't get rattled. I mean, you don't show it if you do. You don't get angry. <clears throat> um, so, yeah, but you, and your mom, jeez. Um, That lady is amazing. Um, her whole family, um, her mother, your grandmother, your grandma Aitha, um, I thank God every day for her. So, you know, I don't have heroes. I don't have people to say, well, Batman's my hero or, you know, uh, Lou Gehrig or, or George Brett. I mean, I looked up to those guys growing up. I um, wanted to be like them. I wanted to emulate them. Obviously, wanted the fame and fortune. But, you know, real-life people, uh, the people that struggle every day and, and, and do amazing things, um, you know, those are my heroes. I, I look at your sister and, um, you know, just just a little red-headed fireball that, you know, she's five foot two inches tall and, and played college volleyball and just things like that. Those are people that, that really drive me. And, and the agents in our agency, the, the guys that came from nowhere, the Logan Schellenbergers that, you know, was living in a tent, a family of seven, you know, five children, him and his wife, you know, living in a tent, making, you know, barely $20,000 a year and the first year in a business goes out and cracks out a six-figure income. Um, those people are my heroes. Um, so yeah, it's just people that are willing to, to make the sacrifices. You know, Darren Holovach, um, you know, he bought into our system 10 years ago and, and he's, I think he's 39 years of age, totally debt free, um, spends oodles of time with his children. He has three children and just spends boatloads of time with those kids that his, and then those kids know, you know, his priority is, uh, they are his priority. You know, because he does everything. He moves heaven and earth to spend time with those kids. And so those are the type of people that are my heroes. Um, I look at people in business. Steve Jobs, I, I've read his books. He's accomplished a lot, but he was a jerk. I don't want to be a jerk. Uh, not to accomplish things in life. You don't have to be, I don't think. Um, you know, so it, it's difficult to really say, do I have heroes? But, yes, I have a lot of heroes. I have a lot of people I look up to. But they're people that just, we, you know, everyday walks of life people. Is there something that you wish you were better at? Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I wish I was more open uh, with, my, with my life and with my feelings. Um, I wish I was more patient with myself. Um, but um, I, I think we'll always have things. I don't, you know, one of the things that we taught you growing up, and I think it's on your, on your bulletin board from your bedroom, is no regrets. And there's things I wish I was better at, but I have very, very few regrets in life. Um, we, we've had a wonderful lifestyle, and I look forward. I mean, I'm 59 years of age today, and I thought about that. I was rocking your son to sleep at 9.30 this morning, and I thought, I wonder if I'll live long enough to watch my grandson rock his child to sleep. And I thought, that's only 25 or 30 years. I'll only be 85 or, or 90, so I think that'll happen. And so, yeah, I, I, I look forward to things like that. Do you have any particular quotes or sayings that you remind yourself of or live by or have written anywhere? I don't have any that are written. Um, you know, I, I think of a lot of, you know, there's, there's a quote for every situation. And, and you mentioned earlier, we were talking about, you know, how we've accomplished some of the things. And I always think of Zig Ziglar's quote where he says, you know, if you can help enough other people get what they want in life, you will get everything you want in life. And, and I think that's, the epitome of our business, and, and that is life. Um, but nothing that really jumps out at me right now. There's so many of them. 
there's so many great quotes in life, but, you know, we say it all the time. I mean, I gave it to you guys in plaques all the time, and even though it's a, just a, a, a fluky advertisement for Nike shoes or Nike apparel, it's just just do it. And I think if people will just do it, just go out and make something happen, um, great things will happen. Too many people sit around hoping they're going to win the lottery, uh, hoping that someone's going to give them a good job, and all they have to do is go out and, and create things and, and, and make it happen. So, yeah. But no, I don't have any great quotes that just jump out, out of my Yeah, my more head. than often you'll just stumble into some greatness. and You will. It, and like we talked about before, you set some goals and then just leave the house. You know, you're, the universe or go the good work. Lord's going to just go to work going to bring it about so um what have you changed your mind about in the last year or two or even in the last 10 years i'm trying to think what i made my mind up about <laughs> i don't i i can't think of anything i mean again I, I think our lives we we plan them out you know step by step but i don't have that that whiteboard in my office that says this is what i have to accomplish this week or this month or this year um my mind gets changed by you guys by the hour sometimes, uh, and this is something I guess maybe a quote that I can you know throw back at you is you know when you guys call me up and say what's going on or mom says what are we doing I say hey the kids are the ones with the schedule we don't have a schedule, and so I don't have to change my mind a whole lot because it's never made up, you know, um, but I can't think of anything really. Okay, um, what? What's one to two things that people can do, some actionable items in the next week or two uh, to change their mindset, change their life? Well, first of all, determine what you want. What do you want? I don't care whether it's minimal or, or it's greatness. I don't care what it is. Determine what you want to do and write that down. Uh, and, and, you know, one of the books that I've read, uh, it's a book called Goals by Brian Tracy. Um, you know, if you were to ask me what books would you recommend people read, um, read your Bible every day, as I have, and, and read that book. You know, there's many, many great books. You know, you picked up the other day, uh, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill, and you asked me if I'd read that. And I said, oh, yeah, read it several times many, many years ago and just recently. Um, How to Win Friends and Influence People. There's a lot of great books, but the book Goals by Brian Tracy uh, really break down the philosophy behind what happens when you write a goal down. When you basically say, this is what I want to do, and then you write it down on a piece of paper, and then you develop a plan of action to start attaining that goal, and then you start working that plan. I mean, and even if it's, if it's a matter of running a mile and you can't even hardly walk now, then you walk first, and then you jog first, and then you run. It's just taking those baby steps. Uh, and, and so basically, if you can determine what you want, write it down, develop a plan of action, and work that plan of action every day, it is proven you will not fail. You're going to fail in the process, but if you fight through the failures and continue moving forward, you will eventually succeed. I mean, have we failed in this business? We fail more in this business and we succeed. So we fail a lot, but you can still become great because of it. Yeah, I, I heard a quote the other day on a on a podcast from uh, Jason Niemer. He's, he started uh, acro yoga, um, but he had a, a profound quote that says, um, and I'm paraphrasing here, but I, I don't like to define right or wrong until I define the direction that you want to go in. And I, I thought that was huge because too many people are going, well, I'm doing this wrong. And you're going, wait, what goal are you trying to hit? Because you might be doing the right thing for that goal. So uh, define where you want to go before you do uh, right and wrong. 
Do you have any other books, podcasts, movies, documentaries, uh, or recommendations for people to check out? I don't. There's so many. Um, and I kind of I figured that would be one of the questions you'd ask me. So I was kind of thinking. Um, I, I've read the Bible, as I told you. I've read the Bible cover to cover at least three times, I think maybe four by now. And it changes. It's ironic that it changes. But you know, you and I both know the print inside those pages has never changed. But our mindset changes. The place we're at in life changes. And so uh, the books I've read, you know, based on goal setting, is what do you want to do? Like you said, you know, read a book that takes you where you want to be at that point in life. And so maybe there's a book on goal setting or maybe there's a book on, you know, for you, you, you listen to a lot of podcasts and, and read a lot of things on, you know, your, your CrossFit, how to make your body function better and, and, and be more efficient and things like that. Um, I don't really care about that stuff. That, that doesn't interest me at all. But, you know, business books intrigue me. I, I, I've read all of Steve Jobs stuff. Uh, I've read a lot of Zig Ziglar's, uh, Brian Tracy, Jim Rohn, John Maxwell, you know, all those things, even though a lot of it is redundancy, uh, it's still good to read from time to time. Um, but if, if I was going to say, if I was going to narrow it down to just a couple, read your Bible every day, uh, especially the Gospels um, and Brian Tracy's Goal Setting Book. Those, I, I think that book probably changed my life more than anything. And not so much for me personally, because I was attaining my goals, but for me to give people the ability to just simplify it, just four simple steps, just do it, uh, write it down. Develop a plan of action, work that plan of action, and then do it every day. You just can't fail. Awesome. Anything else you want people to check out, try out? Um... Gosh, no. I mean, just figure out what you want to do in life. Don't let, you know, we've been so blessed. We have no idea, you know, what it's like. You had a job for, what, 18 months where you punched a time clock? A little over two years. Two yeah. years, worked at Sears. So you got a small taste of it. Um, I worked... Um, as an employee for not quite 10 years, uh, but, you know, to be self-employed, obviously it has its downsides. You know, you have the risk in the beginning. Now, even today, just I just wrote a check for my quarterly taxes, you know, which I'm proud to do. But as an employee, you don't worry about those things. And so there, there's, there's the yin and yang of both. But um, if there's anything in life that you want to accomplish – Man, go for it because the opportunity today is is amazing. The roads have been paved. Uh, when we started this business 28 years ago, 29 years ago, there was no training. Uh, there was no system at all. You know, and we had to figure it out on our own. And, and it's, so, it's just like with you and CrossFit. CrossFit started about the same time. It's been around about 30 years. Is that right? Yeah. You know, uh, 30 years ago, nobody knew what CrossFit was. Even today, most people don't know what it is. But you you bought into a system five years ago that basically just says tie into this and you'll be successful. And, and you have been extremely successful. And so I would say, you know, it's not a matter of saying uh, quit, quit your job and go start selling final expense life insurance. That may not be the answer. But if you're not happy where you're at, life is way too short to just sit there and, and, and grind away at something you don't like to do. You know, make some changes, do some reading, do your research, and, and uh, create the lifestyle you want for you and your family because you can't go back. You know, the old, you, most of you don't remember this, but um, there was an old beer commercial that says, you know, there's only, you only get one chance of life. Go for the gusto. You know, do it all because you can't go back. And you don't get those hours back. You don't get those minutes back. And, and um, again, live a life with no regrets. Very good. Check us out at oneanddonetraining.com. 
Uh, we're on Instagram at the number one, the letter N, donetraining.com. Um, anything else before we head out? No, thanks. I think you did a great job. It was awesome. Thanks. Stop by oneanddonetraining.com. That's the number one, A-N-D-D-O-N-E, training.com. There you'll find our blog, media library, and ongoing training to help with your final expense career. Thanks. We'll see you there. Thank you.